0: asking so many questions in my day. When do I eat my meals? What time should I get up tomorrow? What, how should I arrange my schedule in these times? How many Zoom meetings can I tolerate? Also, how long can I go between showers? And will I ever wear makeup again? I don't think so. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. These are some weird times, people. Today, it's a gorgeous day. There are people walking by the window with dogs and their kids on bikes and on scooters. There are some people that are pushing strollers, some people that are pulling wagons. It actually feels like I'm watching some sort of well-organized parade with each entry spaced the proper distance apart. In a few hours, the stay-at-home phase of our social distancing, the what do they call it? Let me think. Uh, shelter in place. Yeah, the shelter in place phase for 14 days will officially begin. Although I will admit we began curtailing our socializing already for quite a bit. As I sat to write this week's podcast, I was sitting at my desk and was struggling. Not with like huge life issues, not with great panic or fear, and not even with the amount of uncertainty that's kind of swirling around my life right now. I was just, struggling with focus. I sat down like three hours earlier. I was going to start writing before I even had written one word down. Actually, at the top of my page, all I had written was season five, episode nine. That's all I had written. With not one word down, I thought I should get up and make lunch because somehow it was three o'clock and I realized that that had never happened. So I came back. I had yogurt and walnuts and blueberries and a parfait. And did I say parfait? It sounded like I said perfait, but I definitely said parfait. I ate that, and I looked at my computer. No words were jumping on the screen. No one was typing because the hands were eating. <laughs> and then I heard the mailman. So, duh, I got up, went downstairs, brought the mail in, decided I should go through that. I saw some bills and some junk and a note from a friend. Then I saw a proposed property tax statement. And when I opened that up, I saw a slip of paper fall out saying that we might be eligible for a property tax refund. And so Google this and find out. So I Googled that and I found out. I filled that out. Shortly after that, I was still sitting looking at my computer. Kenny came up to my office. We're both officing at home. We both have set up different kind of stations. We started out together at the same table, but that was definitely distracting for all of us. (laughs) So he came up. to ask me a question. And I answered it, but I was like irritated at that moment. I'm like, why did he interrupt me from my focus on nothing? (laughs) Oh, man. He left and then I paused and checked our first free youth Instagram page to see what the results were so far on our big poll. What are you spending more time doing? Board games or puzzles? I noticed board games was winning at a solid 86%. And then I saw that and thought, oh, board games. Huh, yeah. Kenny and I talked about seeing if some friends would want to play a game with us tonight. So I stopped, stopped doing nothing. I just continued my frenetic little rabbit trail and called a friend to see if they were free. She didn't answer, so then I texted her. And then I put my phone down right next to the candle that's on my desk and thought, oh, I never lit this. So I lit my lavender and chamomile candle. So That sounded like a good idea. And now, here I am again. I'm at my desk. I forgot. (laughs) not even kidding. I forgot what story I was going to write about. (laughs) So I decided to do this instead. I'm stopping writing. I got my recording equipment. I'm still sitting down and decided I'm just going to share with you a few things I've been thinking about. Then I'm going to read a passage I've been meditating on. And finally, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. I hope you're all okay with that because honestly, that's about all I've got. It's all I can muster. Like I said, these are weird times. Kenny and I have been taking out, getting takeout food way more often than normal in order to support local businesses, right? But even that feels weird especially the curbside service. I mean, I've eaten takeout before. It's not like this was a new system for me. I've had food delivered to my house before. It's not like this was just invented, but it still feels weird, especially when you just pull up right in front of the restaurant and you pick up your food. Because every time I do, I feel like I'm doing something clandestine, like a drug deal or something. The people run to the car. I grab the stuff. I drive away, like I'm in the getaway car. We don't interact. Not a lot of chit-chat, just kind of a thank you. A friend texted me today, she said, said, oh, the magic that is DoorDash, isn't that right? Or the Zoom meetings, I've been thinking about those. Do you love how popular that's getting to be? I did that years ago when I was in school, so I was familiar with this concept and with this technology. And I started thinking, how many times do you think a Brady Bunch reference has been made in our nation in the past few weeks? Ha 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 ha. This is like the Brady Bunch, isn't it? I've, every single new meeting I've been in, someone has said that. I've met with my small group in a Zoom meeting, I've met with family, I've met with some colleagues, I've met with friends. I joined a meeting with people I did not know yet. I've played games on Zoom. I've prayed on Zoom. I've eaten on Zoom. I've laughed on Zoom. I, however, did not go to the bathroom on Zoom, like poor Jennifer. Perhaps you've seen that floating around the interweb. In these times, I've loved seeing the kindness of other people. I love seeing how people are stepping up. I know practically every news station in the country right now is probably ending their newscast or starting their newscast with the kindness of others just to kind of soften the news of the day, to soften the statistics that they have to share with us. I love seeing people who gathered to sing happy birthday to a grandma or congratulate somebody on finishing their chemotherapy treatments. I loved seeing kids visiting a neighbor and playing their cellos on, on the porch. Of course, we can't do that anymore, but I loved it when that was at least still allowed. I love the stories that were aired about people who visited their loved ones through the windows. We did that with our grandkids because of the idea we saw on TV, actually. We did that with our grandkids. We did that with my parents. When we were visiting my parents, there was another couple visiting their parents in the same facility. They were off to our left, sitting on lawn chairs, facing in the window. My parents are in the second floor, so we were talking on our phone and and looking up and waving. (laughs) And I was actually amazed at how satisfying that actually felt in these days of kind of discontent. What else? Sidewalk chalk drawings. Everywhere we walk— Kenny and I ran, we drove and we ran up and down Summit Avenue near us, if anyone cares, but we ran up and down and seeing the phrases and verses and clearly scavenger hunts that have been drawn with sidewalk chalk. I love seeing people who are putting hearts in their windows. Also, I read today on my Nextdoor app, they want us to put bears in our windows because little kids are going on a bear hunt and as they walk around, they peek in the windows and try to count how many bears they can find. I actually don't have a heart on my window or a bear, but now that I'm seeing it, I'm feeling like I I should. Which I kind of feel like a lot of things, like I should. I heard the new on um, the news the other day also about the little libraries. They're being finding all kinds of new uses. I wanted a little library, but there's one kind of near me, like two blocks away. And of course, it, they're still giving out books. Yep, some people are giving out DVDs, so people have new movies to watch. Some people are putting puzzles or they've added a table for puzzles next to them. Another woman on the news two nights ago, she said she always wanted a little library but didn't have one. I thought, oh, like me. And then she said, (laughs) apparently she just kind of gave this a little more thought than I did. She said, well, I decide what can I do? So she dragged a bookshelf to the end of her driveway and stocked it like a pantry for people to be able to share food with one another. Honestly, the kindness of people, the sharing of bounty, I love this. And I'm like, man, why didn't I think about that? What do I have bountiful that I could share? So if you need Chick-fil-A sauce, come to my house. I'll throw it in a basket. But seriously, there is so much beauty in this chaos, and there's peace and this panic when we, as God's creation, people created in the image of God, which is all of us, includes all of us. All of us have been created in God's image when we show grace and kindness. These are unprecedented times. I shared last week on the Good Story Live Instagram that we don't have a way forward that is clearly marked for us. I'm sure that's exactly the way the first Christian, the first century Christians felt as well, the first Christians. What does living like a Christian look anyway? I'm not going to share the passage I shared live uh, last week, but I do want to share something else with you as a means of encouragement. How do we live in these unprecedented times? I have no clue. I told that to my small group girls. They're all seniors. They are missing out on a lot of things, and my heart goes out to them. I pray for them. They're missing out on graduations and prom and plays and musical performances. Every time they turn around, there's a new announcement of something they can't do. This year is just going to kind of phase out. There's grief in that. There's sadness in that. How do we live in these times? I wish I could tell them. I wish I could say something like, well, here's what I did when that happened, and it helped so much. But I can't say that. I've told them, I'm certainly older than you, but I am not any wiser in relation to these circumstances. I don't know. We've never gone through this before. But here's what I do know. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, that's a passage that I've been meditating on a lot lately. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, there's a prayer written or said, it's written for us, it was said by him, by Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. He was raiding in Jerusalem. He had just tr- finished traveling around his land, visiting his people. He went out among the people from, it tells us in scripture, from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim. And his idea was to turn the hearts of the people back to the Lord God. He was going around preaching and proclaiming the Lord. The people had walked away from him earlier. And in doing this, as he was going around to these areas visiting, he appointed judges in the land He appointed judges in in the fortified cities of Judah also, and he reminded them to carefully consider what they do and how they judge, because they, as judges, were not just meeting out judges for the people. They were making judgments in the presence of the Lord, in whom it was written in 2 Chronicles 19. Let me just turn there real quick, where it says in 2 Chronicles 19, they're meeting out judgments in the presence of the Lord, where it says this about the Lord in whom there is no injustice, no partiality, and no bribery. So as judges, they were to administer judgment in the presence of the Lord as the Lord would do it. No injustice, no partiality, and no bribery. Jehoshaphat went on, not just judges, he didn't just appoint them, he appointed priests and, and from the Levites and other leaders to help settle minor disputes that had risen among the families. And he encouraged them, like, when you settle, if you guys have a problem, if there's a dispute, here's what you need to do. You need to follow the law of God, for the law is supposed to be your guide. Its regulations, its commands, these were set up by the Lord and were to be followed out of respect for him, for his glory, but also for the good of the people. So, that's what Jehoshaphat was doing. He was doing that all in chapter 19. Not long after all of this appointing of the of the people, the Moabites and the Ammonites, along with, it says, some Meunites, decided they wanted to wage war against Jehoshaphat. They wanted to wage war. So, I'm going to pick up and read from Second Chronicles now. I'm going to just read the first four verses, then we'll pause. It says, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in the Hazazon Tamar. That is in En Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. I love verse three. What a cool knee-jerk reaction. It almost sounds like Jehoshaphat has. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Man, I wish that was me. I wish I would do that. This leader, when he was alarmed, he didn't act from panic. He didn't sit and go, what are we going to do now? How is this going to happen? How will this play out? no what Jehoshaphat did, alarmed, he resolved to inquire of the Lord. The people followed him. Do you see? Judah, they came together to seek help from the Lord too. Indeed, it was said, they came from every town. And so, everybody's gathered. Jehoshaphat, they can still have large gatherings. So, this is not like a prescription for us today. This is a description of what happened back then. But I think in the end, we're going to see some principles that can be applied for us as well. So, they come from every town. Jehoshaphat stands up in front of the people, and he prays. And this, my friends, is the prayer I've been meditating on during this time. I want to read it for you. 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20, starting at verse 5. This is Jehoshaphat. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard, Ooh, new courtyard, just a little aside there, and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations, power and miter in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will all stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us? By coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What do we do in unprecedented times? What was Jehoshaphat's prayer? We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We turn our focus on the Lord, our God. What was the response of the people? I'll pick up now. Verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones all stood there before the Lord. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mathanai, in case you're all wondering, a Levite and a descendant of Asaph. As he stood in the assembly, he said, this is Jehaziel, in case you forgot his name, by through all those, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. This battle that we are facing here today in 2020, though though the words in 2 Chronicles were not written directly to us, I get this, I know that. This is not a word for us from Jehazael. but listen. It's still the same capable God. Here's the deal. We still have the same directives. When we don't know what to do, our eyes should be on you. Our eyes should be on God. We remember as well, fear is an invitation to trust. Let me repeat that. When we don't know what to do, our eyes should be focused on God. We remember as well that when we are faced with fear, It is an invitation to trust. We can choose. We can sit in fear and reap all the benefits of that, anxiety, panic, and who knows what else. Or we can listen to the invitation of the prophet Jehaziel, whose name, by the way, means God watches over. It wasn't a mistake that the prophet named God watches over shared his words. We can listen to him when he says, listen, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. I'm going to repeat it and say it without like tripping over all the words. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Why was it a temptation to be afraid or discouraged because a vast army is powerful. It's too much for one guy. It's too much for a small country. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. People, this battle that we fight today, this virus, this too, this battle is God's. In the meantime, we act as we follow God's lead We act. You can read the rest of 2 Chronicles 20 if you're curious to see how this story ended. They battled. So, so do we. So, how do we battle? How do we battle this vast army? We battle with obedience, obedience to our authorities and our respective localities and our states. We listen to what the experts have to say. We listen to the medical professionals. And along with obedience, we pray how then do we pray? We pray for those who are hurting. We pray for those who are mourning the loss of a loved one because of this virus. We pray for those who are at risk, the vulnerable, the weak, those with compromised immune systems. We pray for the other nations of the world who are fighting this with us. We pray for the people in Italy, in China, in Spain, in the UK, in Ireland, in India, and in all the other locations. We pray for the people who do not have access to health care, but they do have access to this virus. We pray for them. We pray for mercy, and we pray for protection. And we pray for our nation. We pray for the healthcare workers who are working tirelessly on behalf of others We pray in these times of isolation and distancing. We pray for the lonely. We pray for the homeless. We pray for the widowed and the weak. We pray for for protection, and we pray for healing. We pray for comfort. We pray for our neighbors, and we choose to love them. We choose to care for others above ourselves as we follow the example of Christ. And we pray for the church. We pray for the church to rise up. Rise up and love. Rise up and care. Rise up and do. In these moments of being shuttered and shut down, may the church use these moments to pray for those that are around them, to work on behalf of those around them. May they not be self-focused and worried about, oh, how are we going to make it? How will we meet our bills? How will we care for this? How will we do this? Yes, these are real things, I get it. I'm on a pastoral staff. I receive a check from our church. I get that. But we would be remiss if that's where our focus was in this time. Our focus needs to be on God. Our vision needs to be cast on Him. We need to pray for the church. We need to do whatever the Lord places across our path. We need to share. We need to love. We need to reach out. We need to speak kindly. And when we don't know what to do, oh Lord God, may our eyes be on you. Lord, as we close today, may our eyes continually focus on you, on the God of the Old Testament, on the God of the New Testament, who is the same God the God who is faithful, may we keep our eyes on you waiting and watching for you to direct our next steps. May we not move where you are not leading. May we not walk in a way that seems wise in our own eyes, but instead may we sit and may we listen. May we use this time to get to know you more, to recognize your voice more clearly, And may we take and make the most of every opportunity that you've given us as long as it is called today. May we take that opportunity to love and to care and to proclaim your name and your love. May we be faithful. May you find us as a church body faithful. May you find us loving well and may you enable us and empower us to do so. It is in your powerful name that we pray. Amen.